Welcome to the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Welcome, everybody, again to the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. I got a special treat for you today. Before I start, I want to let everyone know who might have sensitive ears, we're going to talk about some adult themes today, but not in a bad way, in a very professional, clean manner. And I'm excited to have my guest on today, Ms. Lori Handles, who's an author, speaker, creator of her own podcast show, Sex and Happiness, and also the 20th anniversary of her best-selling international book this year. And congrats to you also, too, Lori, on the 20th anniversary of your best-selling book. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I held it up. Yes, I see it. And also, Lori, thank you for coming on to the podcast today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. I know you've been touring lately, right? I've been to three retreats since, I don't know, let's see, since March, I guess. I've been to three retreats. So I started traveling again, not like I used to. Well, I understand. I understand. But I can't go to Europe or Australia or New Zealand right now or Bali, but I've been traveling in the United States and I'll be going to Florida and I'll also be going to Costa Rica. And then I'll be in Columbus, Ohio and Portland, Oregon. You say you can't go to Australia. I thought you could travel to Australia now. Well, I guess I'm not vaccinating, so. Oh, so you didn't do the shots? No. Well, I did. I understand. I know that that's the individual choice and that's fine. Yeah. Let's not get into the politics of it. Some of my friends are not speaking to each other over it. Yeah, and that's crazy. It's an individual choice. Exactly. So I'm not doing it, so I can't go to the EU right now. Well, yeah, might have to wait till later in the year or maybe next year to go down to Europe or overseas. But it depends how things go. Things can change on any given moment with that. So Exactly. At least you're going to go to Costa Rica. That'd be very nice. Yeah. I haven't been there. Not yet. I've not been to Costa Rica yet. It's a beautiful place. That's what everyone tells me. <laughs> everyone yeah. tells me. So, Lori, before we get started, I just want to know, my first question for you today is that can you tell the audience about your background and how you became a sex and relationship coach? Well, I think I've always been doing it in Peanuts. You know, the Lucy character. Oh, yeah. She hangs out a little shingle for advice. <laughs> yeah. so I've been doing that since I was four years old, I guess. Oh, man. I think since I was four years old, I managed the adults in my family. Anyway. To be honest, sex was always interesting to me. And I was a very precocious young girl. So I didn't let my parents wanting to shame me or wanting to control me. I didn't let that influence me, actually. I just experimented with my body the way I wanted to. I didn't get a bad reputation. I just did what I wanted to. And I always knew that sex was more than what people do like if this is intercourse <laughs> i thought sex was more than that i thought it was much more than that but i didn't ever have a, a partner back in those days i didn't have a partner who wanted to talk about it how much deeper it could be than just the act of intercourse so people thought i was a little crazy and <laughs> i didn't really care you were ahead of your time based on what you're saying right yeah so if you fast forward in the 80s I saw an article on a Tantra teacher named Margot Anand, who was a very famous Tantra teacher. I saw it in Yoga Journal, but back in the 80s, there was no internet. So I couldn't look her up or find out where she was teaching. I couldn't find out anything unless I wrote to Yoga Journal, which I didn't. So I waited another 10 years until 1996, and that's when I took my first Tantra class. 
And the first day in the Tantra class was like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is spiritual, sexual experience. They're connected. The body is sacred and sex is sacred because it's part of the body. So at the time, this is good. This is political, even though I said before, I didn't want to get into politics. But at the time, I was a government contractor. I was in the Clinton administration helping people get off of welfare. I remember you told me that. Yeah, Clinton passed the welfare reform bill and people had to get off of welfare. They had a certain time. So I took people who are easy to serve, people who had some college, who had some job experience, whatever. I trained those for the federal government. And then I did state governments and city governments. And I took people who are really hard to serve, people who are crack addicts, people who had never had a job, people who did every kind of thing for money, but didn't have employment and any idea how to do that. So that was doing that. I was winning awards for that, like national awards of recognition for my programs. And then George W. Bush was elected. In 2000. And when he was elected, he gave all those contracts. Faith initiatives. And I didn't own a church. I wasn't going to own a church. (laughs) That wasn't my thing. I understand So all that money went out of my pocket, just like that. And I said to myself, sex always sells. That's true. And so I'm going to be a full-time Tantra teacher. And I didn't even blink. And the thing about it, it came at the right time because, you know, you talk about when you grew up, like how you were precocious and you were ahead of your time. When I mentioned that, you grew up in the 50s and early 60s. Sex at that time was very frowned upon. And I'm going to talk about this a little later in this episode. But when you started your Tantra in the early 2000s, I got interested in Tantra myself, too, because I started reading about Tantra. I was in my early 20s. It was a perfect time because it was starting to become more in vogue, per se, Tantra and sexual healing. And sexuality was starting to become more appreciated, I believe, more. Your body being able to liberate and to appreciate your body, whatever size, whatever race you were, like I said, size or age, people started to appreciate their bodies more because there was a time when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I'm 42 now, And especially in the 80s during the Reagan and Bush administration, the so-called family values time about morals and this and that, like different TV shows talked about that and this and that. We were living some very conservative times in the 80s and early 90s and very repressive times, too. What do you think about that? Uh, Yes. (laughs) It was very repressive. I started teaching Tantra in 1998. So I just didn't care. I really didn't care. Like the government was not going to orchestrate was never ever for me going to orchestrate my body i marched in the streets in the first round of feminism i'm not a fourth round feminist what's the fourth round the fourth round is me too oh yeah that's on another level hashtag me too man hating me i marched in the streets to have equal pay and to feel like i could walk through the streets at night anywhere and be safe And that's what I wanted. And I wanted men to feel that they adored and they protected me, not that they were going to like race after me and rape me because I was walking alone at night. Was that back in the late 60s or early 70s? That was the 70s. Oh, 70s. That was the late 70s. Oh, but see, I thought the feminist movement started back in the late 60s, early 70s, when it was the origins of Gloria Steinem, when it first really started was back in the mid to late 60s. Mm, Not so much. Oh, I'd say the 70s. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. I have the book right here, Radical Feminism. I could just get it for you and find out what year it was. 
this was the book. Okay. Along with Our Bodies Ourselves. This book has lots of content in it about radical feminism in the early days. And I'm just going to tell you what year. 1972 it was published. So Early 70s. Early 70s it was published, but when people were marching and stuff was mid. Yeah, mid-70s is about right. I look back in archive videos. It was around the mid-70s when you started seeing people go to the streets. Right. So anyway, what I'm saying to you is I wanted what men had. I didn't want to cut men's balls off. <laughs> hey, I like that. I like that. Now it's yeah. at another level. Now they want to emasculate a man. And I have some serious problems with that. So do I. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So anyway, yeah, we were in a conservative time, but that's when I started teaching. And I was in Washington, D.C. at that time. And let's see, who was president? In 98, that was Bill Clinton. Well, he was president when I took Tantra. And then when he went out of office, it was, was George W. Bush. Right. And I had lots of people that were circulated. And like I had students, I can't say what their names are, but I had students who worked at the White House. I had students who worked for Rumsfeld. Oh. I had students who worked for all those conservative people. They came to Tantra at my house. Oh, okay. But I can't say who they are. Oh, I, I know, I know. I can just tell you, we did a lot of meditations about getting those people out. <laughs> about those people resigning. That's right. But when you started back in 98, I was 19 years old. I think that it wasn't as conservative as it was, say, 1982-83. It was a little more liberated in 98. Hmm. I have a question for you a little later about that in a segment. But yeah, but it's interesting that things have evolved. Now, it's 2021. I think we are very open about sexuality, of transgender, gay rights. Yes. Whatever. Even people who are swingers, who don't meet conventional form in a relationship. But that's another conversation. And also, before I ask this next question, I got to tell you, I listened to your podcast about sex and happiness, and I love the theme music about Marvin Gaye's sexual healing. Oh, yeah. You couldn't have picked a better song for that. In the beginning, when I first had a podcast, my first podcast was called Tantra Cafe. Oh. And I started it over 15 years ago. And they wouldn't let me. I wanted to use sexual healing then. And they told me that they couldn't get the rights to it and they couldn't use it. And then I used other songs. I used a friend of mine's music, Jim McGrath, who does tribal drumming. Then I moved to, I once used the song by Rihanna. Make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. And that still wasn't like what I wanted. That wasn't my message. And finally, I just said, you know what? I don't care if Marvin's estate comes after me for using the music. There's something like you can use a certain amount. So Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing was the best song ever, in my opinion. I agree with that. So I use it now. And I wish Marvin Gaye was still alive. So do I. (laughs) So do I. Can you describe the origins and the beginnings of your Sex and Happiness podcast show, when it started and how it became to what it is now? So Tantra Cafe started in about 2007. I was in New York and I decided I wanted to have a show. I was at a trade show and I slipped on like a postcard type of thing. And it was like a banana peel. I was sliding. Oh, man. And then I looked down, I picked up the thing that I was sliding on and it said, New radio station starting in Tribeca. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to call them up and I'm going to see if they want me. And they did. And it was an in-studio thing. So I went to the studio in Tribeca, New York, 
and I had a tech person sitting there and people could call in. It was a call-in show. But they got my shows wrong. Like they had dyslexia or something. Like I would post what show was coming up and then they would post a different show. So it made me mad. So I left that station, went to another station. So Tantra Cafe went on for a few years, maybe seven years. And then the owner of Web Talk Radio called me up, an amazing man who was in radio for 40 years. He said, I'd like you to come onto my station. And we have 40 terrestrial stations and we have internet stations and we'll support you in making your podcast better. And I went with him. He's no longer alive. I loved the man. He really gave me an opportunity. I said, I'm getting bored with Tantra. So I don't want to interview any more Tantra teachers. Like they say the same thing. So I'm getting bored with it. So he said to me, change the name of the show to Sex and Happiness, the same name as your book. And you'll see things will open up. More things will open up. And so I did. I didn't know at that time that the words sex and happiness were the most Googled search words ever. Mm. So my ratings shot up. My listenership shot up. I expanded to like more types of people, not just Tantra people. And the show got interesting again. That was about 10 years ago. Okay, okay. And I've listened to your several episodes of your podcast. I have to say, you do have a good array of people from all different backgrounds that come on your show. It's very diverse, which is good. Keeps it spicy, keeps it interesting. But they always have to talk about sex. Yeah. You know, like when people send me guests and they say, this person wants to talk about families and money. And I say, great, but are they going to talk about sex? Are they ever going to? If they don't talk about sex and how it relates to all of it, I'm not interested in them as a guest. I understand. And my next question, it kind of leads me to about sex and happiness. Now, I'm asking a question. Now, especially, I know your book in particular, Sex and Happiness, is about people for having healthy sex lives for people 16 and older. No, 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 no. Oh. That's the book I'm writing now. Oh, that's right. The book you're writing. I'm sorry. The book you're writing now. People 16 yeah, and older. I didn't write this when I was 60 or older. I started this before I was 50, oh, I think. Sorry about that. Um, no. So Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy is my published book. I'm writing a new book called Sex and Happiness Over 60. It only gets better. Okay, I got that mixed up. I'm sorry, I got it. Okay. They're all the same name. That's my brand. My question is that, why do you think it's important for adults, especially people in my age group, I'm Generation X, why do you think it's important for people in my generation and any adults to have a healthy relationship with sex and their sexuality? Because their sexuality is their creative life force. That's how we all got here. Two people did this and a sperm <laughs> was impregnated an egg. And the chances of that happening are 40 quadrillion to one. So that means that you're a miracle and I'm a miracle and your producer is a miracle and anybody listening to this is a miracle because actually a sperm impregnated an egg. And the chances of that happening are slight. So when it happens, it's amazing, but it's a mystery. Nobody knows what really happens. How does it take place? How does a sperm fertilize an egg and an egg becomes a person? So an egg becomes a person and that is a creation. And the word creation is creative, creativity. And that area of the body, if you go by the chakra system, the Hindu chakra system, the sex chakra is the area of creativity. It's also the area of pleasure and also the area of the memory and stored memory of pain. So it's super important for people to have a healthy 
relationship with their sexuality so that their brain can be functional and create. And people who are locked down, shut down, not particularly in touch with that or free in that area, maybe they're storing traumas there or wounds or pain because that's where people store it. They don't have as much creativity available to them. It's part of being human. And then also the throat chakra, speaking your truth, that's also in my book. This is very connected to the sex. So if you have permission to speak your truth, then you probably have permission for great sex. If you have permission for great sex, then you have probably have permission to speak your truth. And a lot of people are people pleasers. They're not in their truth. They don't have boundaries. That's right. They don't take care of themselves. And that all comes from either trauma that gets stored in the sex chakra. It doesn't have to be sexual trauma. It could just be trauma. But it can be sexual trauma also. Comes from guilt, shame, all the ways that cultures have tried to control us. And I would say also, I think that when you have a sexual release or orgasm, as they call it, I can speak firsthand from my first personal experience. When you have that release, orgasm release is like a euphoric release where you release a lot of tension, a lot of stress. You might be, you might be going through something or thinking about. When you have that, you feel a lot better from the mental and the physical part too. Well, you feel better because you have chemicals going through your body. Endorphins, dopamine. Yes serotonin and oxytocin and the brain needs all of those and the body needs the oxygenation of the heavy breathing so all of it there's no mystery actually to what is involved it's just a mystery of how it all comes together to produce a human being that's very true and we're the only species that has a frontal cortex the size of what we have I don't see dolphins inventing these. No, not at all. You know, or these reading glasses or whatever. So even though there are other animals in the animal kingdom that show love and produce oxytocin, most mammals do, we use that energy to create things. That's very true. So it's really important that people have a healthy... Plus, I mean, it's part of being human. The birds and the bees are part of every species. And being human, it's different. Like we have the concept of love. We have chemicals going through our bodies that we define because we have language. That's good. So it's super important. I agree with you. I definitely agree with that. And then I have a couple more questions here for you also. We were talking about this a little earlier. How do you think that as a country or as a society, we look at sex now compared to let's say the late 60s or 70s, what's the difference between now, 2021, compared to the late 60s or 70s when it's supposed to be free love and sex back then? How do you think, what's the difference between now and back then? It's interesting that you like to document this, like in terms of like being a sex historian or something. <laughs> I wasn't alive back then to 79. Well, I was, I actually was. So I was in college in the 60s and I was in graduate school until 1971 or something. So I can only talk about me. I can't really talk about the country. First of all, it was free love and there was no AIDS. That's number one. That's very true. You could have sex with anybody and as long as I didn't get pregnant or as long as there wasn't a pregnancy involved. Some of my friends used abortion as their means of birth control. I've heard about that too. It wasn't me. Anyway, so free love meant, okay, 
I look at it like this. It was like a seafood diet, seafood, eat food. You feel like having sex with somebody, you say like, okay, what are you doing later to come over to my house and have sex? Or go to your house and have sex. It was pre-AIDS. It was pre-most of the things that are catchable, the sexually transmitted infections that are catchable now. Not all of them. Syphilis and gonorrhea were around, but all these other ones were not. So it was kind of free. However, what we didn't know was how traumatized people were, how much sexual violation there was, how many trespasses there were. One of the most vocal people who came on to talk about that was Oprah. She opened the Pandora's box. I don't think she was the first one, but she was probably the most famous person at the time to talk about how she had been violated by family members. That's right. And so when that happened, different things happened. And also diseases popped up that made people more cautious. So what I think is different, at least about my life right now, is that one, I took Tantra. And when I took Tantra, my body became a temple instead of just a thing that I see food, eat food, diet kind of thing. (laughs) So I decided that my body was sacred and that I didn't want to mix energies with as many people as I had been mixing energies with. Second of all, I didn't want to die from AIDS or HIV. Third, I didn't really want to get anything. So I redefined sexuality for myself. And now in the courses that I teach and the courses that my colleagues teach, there are whole pieces on boundary setting on what it means to set a boundary, on what it is to end. There's also big emotional release pieces where people can release the trauma from their body. So it's really a different, I think it's just apples and oranges. I just think it's real for me and my life back then, I have no regrets. And that's not like in 1996, when I took my first Tantra class, everything shifted for me radically, like spiritually and like radical responsibility came into my life in a way that hadn't been there before. And there was enough fear around in the 80s to get people really afraid to have sex. So I just think it's different. I just think it's really different now. I mean, I teach classes where there are people who are 20 and people who are 80, all in the same classroom. There's just much more awareness. And there's been so much publicity about sexual trespassing. Yes, very true. Very true. That people need boundaries. They need to sort it out. Like, how much do they value their body? How much do they value their life? Are they willing to have a safer sex conversation with somebody? Like, and tell the truth before you ever get in bed. (laughs) So I just think it's different. It's a different ballgame. And like you said, this is the thing. The two things for me growing up in the 80s and 90s, the big game changer was, like you said, when HIV AIDS came on the scene in the early 80s, that changed a lot of people's behavior. And like I said, the other diseases that popped up, gonorrhea and syphilis was around, has been around for a long time. Other things popped up more that wasn't there that became more prevalent in the 80s and 90s that changed behavior. And like I said, when you have sex, you share your spirit. When you have sexual relations with one person, you got to be careful who you share your body with, as you said. You got to be very careful about that. Exactly. I'm certainly not somebody who's going to put hell and brimstone onto someone. I fight against that shame and that guilt that religion put on people. But people just need some caution and they need, I tell people they need to vet their partners. So you need to find out like in a safer sex conversation, if I had sex with you, what would it mean to you? This is what it would mean to me. I might only want to have a one night stand with you. Would you be okay with that? (laughs) 
I like that. Or I want you to text me the next day. I want you to see how I am. It's really important for people to say that. And all too often in the 60s and 70s, first of all, there was no term called ghosting. Nobody ghosted anybody. That's very true. But all too often, people just fell into the sack with each other. And there wasn't this super connection. I'm not moralizing this either. I don't care if people do that. Like, it's okay with me. I just feel like to prevent the spread of communicable diseases, it's really important for people to talk about it beforehand and to feel confident. And that's important. You got to communicate. You got to open your mouth. Because like I said, closed mouths don't get fed. And secondly, if you don't say how you feel, the person or the person not going to know where you're coming from. And not only that, like you said about in terms of spreading disease, that's why you have to talk and ask those things about your sexual past, about what you've been through, what you've done, well, also what you like and don't like. Because that's people don't are not able to communicate and be open and honest because they don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But I think it's better to be open and honest than not to say nothing at all. And that's where problems happen. Absolutely. Yes. Or people feel victimized and then they get into this Me Too thing. But I'm not saying that people who have Me Too feelings are wrong. There have been lots of violations. However, a lot of times people didn't speak up and just say, no, this isn't happening. I mean, I had a boss who once tried to, it used to come by my house late at night. Oh? Yeah. And I used to go, no, not opening <laughs> the door. Good idea. Never going to happen. And he fired me and I didn't care. So. Did you try to sue for that? No. Oh. I didn't. I didn't care. I left. I was bartending at his restaurant. So oh. I didn't care. It wasn't like a corporate job. So. Oh, okay. And one point I want to mention about the Me Too thing is I think that obviously there's been violations and there's people who have rightfully need to come out about things that happened to them. And no one's to be violated no matter who you are. At the same time, it's people, guys like myself, who might get swept up with it, as I call it, because you have to be very careful how you say it, who you say it to, and what you say. Because you can say something that can be innocent, but someone can take it out of conscience. All of a sudden, you have a sexual harassment lawsuit against you. Right. I think it's gone too far. I think it's gone too far. I think it need to come back more to more of a middle ground. Me too. And then my last question for you, Lori, is that what piece of advice would you give to adults like myself who are single or people who are in relationships or couples? What's the key and secret for people, either spectrum, whatever it is, to have a healthy sex life? You have to be kidding that you want me to answer that in like one sentence. Well, it could be two sentences. <laughs> it could be two or three, whatever you like. <laughs> totally not possible. First of all, the communication is king. So opening your mouth and communicating is king. Now, what you communicate about, that's why I am in business. I teach courses on how you communicate about all of this. I teach courses to couples on how to keep it juicy. Also, how to not get into resentment and revenge. I would say you must communicate. That's number one. You need to be able to speak about it. No matter what your education was, no matter what shame they tried to put on you, you need to communicate about it. You're a human being and you have sexual needs. That's one. Two, vet your partners. Find out if you have values that match the person that you want to be with. And then set boundaries. You set boundaries around your values to keep you in and with the things that you value. So if you value your body and you value your sexuality and you value your voice, 
and you value someone respecting you and adoring you or someone's, because I don't care, it doesn't matter to me if people have more than one partner, What you have to vet people properly. This chemistry thing, oh, I just got attracted to this person, oh, so we're together now. It doesn't give you much ground to deal with when the chemistry's sort of stale. So it's really important to vet partners. It's really important to, I say that people should give themselves self-pleasure so that they're not hungry. Like if you give yourself self-pleasure, then you're not hungry and you're not hunting. And when you're not hunting, chances are that you might meet people in a different way than when you're so hungry and you're so needy and you need somebody to touch you so badly. Like you don't need anyone to touch you. Your hands work. So that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Also, people over 60, which is why I'm writing this book, and I'm teaching a course right now called Sex and Happiness Over 60, people over 50 are disregarded in our culture. You think so? I know so. It's not a think. It's a no. Okay. When people are over 50, women over 50 become invisible. Nobody's attracted to yeah. them anymore. Yeah, fortunately, you are right about that. And men over 50 and 60? They're looked at as the guy who did that to me when I was three. That's my perverted, weird uncle. That's my grandpa who touched me. It's weird what we do to people. And I know because I see it in my classes. Like a woman will walk in and she's older and people will go like, and walk right by her like she's an ornament, like a curtain, like a window, like a door. And a man, young women are like, oh, he's needy and creepy. And that's what happens to older people in this culture, especially sexually. And we should be having sex until our last breath. So anyone who says they're giving it up and they don't want to have it anymore, it's because their bodies change, but there's still wonderful reasons to have sex. All those cocktails, that cocktail I talked about before, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and whatever the fourth one is, we need that in our bodies Age is just a number. I agree with you. And you are right. Sadly, people will get over a certain age, especially the older you get. You are discarded and you're not looked at it. Other countries, older people are celebrated. But in this country, we don't celebrate our elderly people like we should. And that's a shame. It is a shame. It really is. And not only is sex, but other parts of our society besides that too. But hopefully that'll start changing for the better. Laura, before I let you go, can you tell people where they can go to check out your podcast and also to get your book that you wrote, The 20th Anniversary? Sure. They can go to my website, lauriehandlers.com. You said my name earlier, Handles. Also, Handlers. Handlers, H-A-N-D-L-E-R-S. Handlers, lauriehandlers.com. Okay. And they can find my podcast there, but they can also go to sextalkradionetwork.com and find it there. Yeah, and my book is there, and they can find my book on Amazon too, but I prefer people order it from me. That way I make the money on it. Amazon takes almost all of it. So if you want to get it on Amazon, it's fine. It's called Sex and Happiness. All you have to do is Google Sex and Happiness, and you will find me. Okay. Yeah, that's really it. I also have some films. I produced and starred in three films, and my new book will be out probably within six months. Okay. And I'm also a contributor to the book Sex Shamans. That's also a bestseller on Amazon, and I'm chapter two. Oh, okay. So, yeah, 
a lot. And people can come to trainings with me. They can find out about my couples courses. They can find out about my sex and happiness course. They can find out about my sex and happiness over 60 course. And also I'm taking people to Hedonism, the retreat, the clothing optional resort in Jamaica in October. Okay. So there's a whole lot of things that I do. And there's a whole lot of things that people can find out if they come to my website. Can single people come to these retreats too? Sure. Oh, okay. At least you're not excluding a segment of population. This is a growing segment too. I'm glad you're not discounting us. That's important. We are important also single people. I was single almost my whole life. I'm never married because okay. going back earlier into the podcast, you asked me about conservatism and the government. And I told you the government was never going to rule over my body. Oh, okay. So when I was growing up to get married meant that my husband would have to give permission to various things that I would want to do with my body. And I said, no one's ever going to have agency over my body. This is my body. So I never married anyone. I would never go to the legal thing to sign papers and have someone's jurisdiction over my body. I own my body. My body is mine. So no man, no other woman, nobody. So I was single most of my life. I'm in a, an amazing relationship now, last six years, but I wouldn't discriminate against anyone, whether they have more than one partner or whether they have zero partners. doesn't matter to me. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Well, Lauren, thank you again for coming. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on. And I might have to bring you back later down the road when your book comes out. That's great, Daryl. Also, you could have me on about, I'm an immortalist. So you might want to have me on about biohacking and how sex is so important in people's health and well-being. I'll keep that in mind. Well, thank you very much. You enjoy the rest of the day. And with that being said, I'm out. And y'all enjoy the rest of your day. See you later.